No matter what channel you turn to or app you click on, masculinity is at the forefront of the conversation today. Whether believed to be the cause or the answer to the world's problems, we're going to be discussing whether or not masculinity is toxic or is it the war on masculinity that is in fact toxic. The Good Fight Radio Show. Welcome back to the Good Fight Radio Show. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about that specific topic, the topic of masculinity. And to discuss this very important topic, today with me is none other than the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel. Amen, Chad. What a important time and day and age to deal with such a it's a vital subject, man, because there is this constant satanic propaganda campaign against our children and now my grandchildren uh, to just cause gender dysphoria. You know, no longer is it, oh, there's male and there's female, but there's just this onslaught. And we knew it was coming biblically, so I'm glad we're dealing with this. Amen. And, you know, whether it's gender dysphoria or whether it is just simply hating the ideas of any sort of formality in the scriptures that what we find when it comes to male headship and what the Bible actually describes. And a lot of people are getting really confused. And we're going to be talking about that because it does seem, Joe, that what I've seen is that we're getting a lot of bait and switches and we're getting a lot of, hey, yeah, it's really bad what's happening on the left, so to speak. But maybe if you go over to Andrew Tate and maybe if you go over here, now you can really start following after these guys and understand what strength is. Once you're a kickboxer, smoking cigars, and then eventually becoming Muslim, then you can really be a man. And it just seems like we're getting a, a false dichotomy yeah. ultimately that, oh, if you don't go here, you end up, you got to go over here. Yeah, and, that, and that's a great point. I mean, what I mentioned right out of the gate on this show, that's, that's spiritual. We don't rest against flesh and blood. And the very symbol that's used in Satanism, the most prolific symbol is the Baphomet. You know, the goat of Mendes, the goat-headed uh, Eliphaz Levi. Uh, he drew this androgynous, demonic creature that basically is a symbol of Satan. Uh, it's the official insignia of the Church of Satan. Levian Satanism uses it, Anton LaVey's group, uh, of this androgynous entity, which is male and female, amalgamation of both. Satan's desire has always been to destroy God's plan. And, of course, I think this is the root of this whole thing that we need to get into Chad, when we, we got to look at the foundations. The Bible says the foundations are destroyed. How shall the righteous stand? So the enemy goes after the foundations, amen? And we're to build our lives on the rock, Jesus said, amen? So the foundational teaching of creation, you know, Satan wants to destroy that and replace it with Darwinism, which Darwin called the devil's gospel. Uh, and then the creation of male and female, the two becoming one flesh and comprising a family. Uh, he wants, that's, he's, there's an onslaught against that. And Jesus verified not only what happened at creation, but he said God from the beginning made them male and female, that the two would become one flesh in Matthew chapter 19. Uh, so Satan is against God's plan for the family, and that's what this onslaught is all about. He wants to emasculate uh, and feminize men, starting with our children as young as he can get them, right? Uh, and he wants to, you know, emasculate our, our, our girls. Yeah, it is, it is really heartbreaking when you do see it. And you know, it's so sad. I, I saw someone talking about it. It seems like what people have had happen to them is the fact that 
the things that we used to get naturally, whether it was exercise or being out in the sun or good foods, you know, we've had them repackaged to us and sold at a premium so that now you can sit under lights all day, never get out in the sun. You don't do any physical labor, which is terrible for you. And then the foods you eat, you know, the, the stuff that's in there is just killing you anyways. And it seems like this packaging of Twinkies, so to speak, has happened as well when it comes to masculinity and the two forms that we're getting, neither of which are good. And we're being sold a bill of goods that is just worth nothing. And Joe, when I see this confusion, I mean, where are we going to go back to to ultimately get the answer so that we wouldn't be so confused on this topic? Yeah, no, it's really, really crazy. I mean, you have all kinds of strange things going on. I was reading an article in The Atlantic, which is a very liberal you know, newspaper out of what, Georgia. And uh, it was interesting because in that particular article, it was talking about Hasbro uh, Toy Company and how they capitulated to this whole, you know, wokest philosophy of, you know, they basically came out with a gender neutral catalog for toys. And it was, uh, and they pushed a playhouse that was for, you know, boys and girls. And, but a spokesperson or a manager, I think, from Hasbro said, yeah, it didn't go over too well because you had the girls playing with the dolls and the boys were catapulting the baby carriages from the roof of the dollhouse, you know? Uh, so, you know, boys will be boys. And it didn't stop Toys R Us. They had a catalog over in Sweden uh, that they made a gender-neutral Christmas catalog, which shouldn't surprise us because there was, a catalog, there was a council in Sweden that tried to enforce a new rule they wanted to bring about where men had to sit down while urinating, you know? Huh. Well, God's Word says for men in 1 Corinthians 15 to stand up, you know? Yeah. He's not talking about peeing there, but you know what? You make a law against men standing up peeing, and man, don't capitulate. I mean, if and I'm not saying you have to be a, if you have to stand up when you pee, but what I am saying is, if they make a law, because I mean, some men maybe can't stand up when they pee because of some disability or what have you. Or they could be Muslim too, because Muhammad uh, didn't stand up when he peed. So a lot of Muslims <laughs> don't stand up when they pee. They well, pee. isn't that interesting? You know, uh, but the scriptures. It's interesting because in Germany, you know, you say that you had a guy that had to fight in court because his landlord was trying to get him to sit down while he peed and, you know, to make him a sit splinkler, you know, I think that's S-I-T-Z-S-P-I-N-K-L-E-R or something like that. Uh, I'm not part German. I don't know German very well, but sit splinkler is a man who sits down when he pees and he tried to win that battle in court. And this guy literally stood up for his rights and said, I'm not sitting down when I pee. And thankfully that guy won. He could stand up when he pees. And I don't know if you're getting, so he wanted to spinkle. I don't think that's a word at all, you know, but standing up. Uh, so, but it's just crazy how the world's getting, man. I'm like thinking, what in the world is going on here? There's all this confusion and it's satanic at its core. And, you know, real men, unless they can't stand up when they pee, come on. Uh, it is, it is confusing. And I, you know, we're going to, we're going to play a little bit of these clips because Vice put together a, a group of men. Uh, one of them was actually Herschel Walker's, uh, homosexual son. And there are other interesting characters in this group and, we already talked about how confused people are when it comes to this topic. And I got to be honest, when I watched this, there was only one guy in that room that wasn't confused. And it's sad because you have people afraid to actually say what they believe. And I think they make that very clear. But also something you're going to see as well is even the ones that are trying to express what they believe, they don't even know what they believe or know or even understand. I'm non-binary. I still have elements of you know my identity that are masculine elements, that are feminine elements that don't fall within that range. And I, I personally just don't feel tied to like the, the norms or the confines of gender at all. What it means to be masculine is just like, you know, 
changing and like very fluid, changing and like very fluid. I think what it means to be a man is responsibility. As a man, it, it can come with a lot of power, and with great power comes great responsibility. That's from Spider-Man, I think. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> that's what Uncle Ben. <laughs> the idea of, of masculinity is something that I find interesting because it is changing, it is changing, uh, and I can actually see those changes in myself. I think uh, my idea of a real man is, uh, you know, someone that gets the job done, you know, and um, provides and all that. I don't even know what that means anymore, but um, yeah, I don't know, it's changing every day. It's changing every day. Now, Joe, there is a lot of stuff going on there with uh, a, a guy who declares himself as non-binary uh, and so forth, you know, and basically saying there's no roles. We don't know any, any of this. Then you have other people that just seem to be capitulating with the culture. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is really interesting. And, and sadly enough, you see someone who saw the ramifications of sin because ultimately when divorce happens, sin happened in some way. Yeah. Uh, you know, even if it was only on one side, sin still happened. And sin is destructive. And he said, no, I saw what it was like. Speaking of his father, Herschel Walker, who was not in the home, I saw how detrimental it was not to have the male and female dynamic, while others are saying, these are just imaginary. We just made these up under a patriarchy. I grew up in a divorced home. Um, when you do grow up in a broken home and you don't have a father in the home, you recognize how important sort of both males and females are in raising a child and being in the home. Griffin, I'm wondering, as you, someone who identifies as non-binary, how does this conversation strike you? Well, I think that it kind of becomes like irrelevant whether or not we attribute like having like a good ethical compass to being like masculine. Attributing that to like the gender constructs which we have made up, which are like somewhat pointless, like kind of just feed into needless roles that uphold the patriarchy without even knowing it. Yeah, it's a lie. In fact, God wants there to be, you know, obviously male and female. In fact, there, Deuteronomy 22.5, you're familiar with the passage, Chad. Mm -hmm. uh, the Lord warns because he saw this coming that a woman shall not put on or wear that which pertains to a man, and a man shall not wear that or which pertains to a woman, which the, the blonde-haired man who is trying to look like a woman, which is kind of strange, are you a man or a woman, because he's in a men's group, uh, is purporting to be one or the other. I'm not sure how he identifies, but I know what he is. He's a biological man. Uh, but I would say this is that we know also for 1 Corinthians 6, and we've shared this passage before, but a lot of people point to 1 Corinthians 6. They say, yeah, verses 9 and 10, it warns that adulterers and fornicators and homosexuals and so forth won't enter God's kingdom. But they don't realize there's not just the word uh, for homosexual there. There's also the word for effeminate. And we don't have time to get into it in this show, but we've gone through this before where I've traced the history of that Greek word and how that was used in the 1st and the 2nd century uh, in early, you know, biblical uh, New Testament times. And it's used over and over again of men who, you know, shave themselves and wear perfume and, 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 and make up and actually often some, sometimes castrate themselves to be females. And God warns that this is, they will not inherit God's kingdom. This is so serious, guys. This isn't a small deal. And you need to understand if you have children, man, you need to be, you need to, you know, go full stop in anything that approaches moving into that area. And you need to be careful because your children are getting, you know, constant uh, propaganda funneled their way through social media that whereby Satan is using it in popular media and popular TV shows and movies to basically 
desensitize them to the distinctions between male and female. And you need to really establish strongly in your children's minds what God's called them to do. Then there's demonic spirits. There's temptation that they'll face. There's all kinds of things. So you need to be sanctifying them through prayer, through the Word of God, through spending time with them, encouraging them the Lord. This is serious stuff. It is so serious, and I have uh, two boys and two girls, and they are at those developmental ages, you know, 10, 8, 6, and going to be four here in a couple weeks. And when I look at just the forecast of what's going on, and, and so many people confused about this, one of the questions I had, you know, looking at it was like, where did this all start, this idea of, you know, toxic masculinity and there is some forms of masculinity that can be fairly toxic and we'll talk about that after and nancy piercy an author of the book the toxic war on masculinity uh she actually talks about the the history behind the terminology and actually where this all comes from and and it's quite interesting yeah um most people would probably say oh you know the phrase toxic masculinity comes from the 1960s second wave feminism no, you have to go much further back in history. You have to go back to the Industrial Revolution. Because before that, men worked side by side with their wives and children all day on the family farm, the family industry, the family business. And so the cultural expectation on men focused very much on, on their caretaking role, on their responsibility for the good of the family. Uh, in fact, most child-rearing uh, literature at the time, like sermons, pamphlets, advice manuals, were addressed to the father. They were not addressed to mothers. I mean, if you go in a typical bookstore today, in the parenting section, they're all addressing mothers. So in the colonial period, people thought the fathers were the primary parent. And in fact, they were considered especially important for their children's intellectual and spiritual education. So how did we lose that extremely high view of fatherhood? Well, the Industrial Revolution took work out of the home. And men had to follow their work out of the home into family, into factories and offices. And of course, for the first time, they were not working with people they loved and had a moral bond with. Instead, they were working as individuals in competition with other men. And that's when you see the literature start to change. You look at the literature of the day and people were protesting that men were losing that caretaking ethos that they had had in the colonial era that men were becoming egocentric, uh, self-interested, greedy, acquisitive, look out for number one, make it at all costs. Uh, and they began to complain even that men were turning career success into an idol. That was a common word actually back then. All of a mm. sudden, men are living for their jobs instead of living you know, to, to, for their family. Um, so that's when, for the first time, you start to see negative language applied to the male character. Now, Joe, one of the things I found it, I found really interesting when I listened to that clip is it seems like, and and I know that something I've always thought about is the fact that I do believe Satan, not that it, it's sin or anything like that, I don't want to be misquoted that way, but I do believe that Satan has done a great job in this generation and the previous generations of getting multiple incomes, getting women out of the house and not raising their children and letting the state raise their children a lot in a lot of those cases. They their or maybe their daycare or whatever it may be, but it's not the mother and father. They're typically away working 40 to 60 and some 80 hours uh job somewhere a week and they don't have time for their children and so their children are raised by TikTok and Instagram and so forth now and they were doing it by the school district alone before. But when you you look at this, 
when she talks about the fathers being taken out of the home and now the fathers having this idolatry of money and so forth, I'm like, well, here's the problem, Joe, that we talked about at the beginning. Because masculinity, what I'm told, if I go on Instagram or I go on YouTube and I try to find, you know, inspirational speakers, all the things she talked about, this idolatry that they were warning about, this narcissism that they warned about, this pride that they warned about, that seems like that's actually the side that I would, if I was not saved, that'd be the side that I was on. Get all the women you want, get all the money you want, be this strong man better than everyone else. And ultimately, it looks like Satan's done a really good job of just giving two avenues going to the same place. Yeah, it, well, it's an important point because both sides, both extremes destroy true masculinity. Amen. I mean, you want to see what masculinity is. You look at the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the creator of all things. He's the one that created us male and female in his image. He's the one that became a man. He's the perfect man. And we're called to emulate him as men. And men are called to be servant leaders. True masculinity is uh, a husband's love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself down, he laid himself down for her. He sacrificed himself to save her. Uh, sometimes I'd share when I do men's retreats with the men. And I've shared it at Blessed Hope when I've done some of my messages. Two or three times at least I've shared this story because it caught my eye. It happened in Africa several years ago. And there was a, uh, they came upon some lions and the lions had surrounded a woman and they were trying to get to the woman to save her, but she had already been saved apparently by the lions. And the, it was a crazy story, true story out of Africa and what was crazy is in the past, you know, you read the stories, you, you know, history, the valiant man jumps up and he saves a woman from a wild beast, you know. But in this case, it was the wild beast that saved the woman from these men. And we don't know that they chased her away after she'd been getting raped or if they just heard her crying and had sympathy in some way, this group of lions that were protecting her at that point. And the lions actually, they were able to get the woman from the lions and she told the story. And I just thought, wow, everything is reversed. Everything is backwards now. And it's interesting because what she brings up parallels with some of the research I've done on the spread of homosexuality and AIDS. Uh, Because uh, AIDS, the AIDS epidemic happened, you know, yeah, the 60s, it really had a major role in that. But as far as even how getting men out of the home in Africa, because in Africa, they, you know, they did live aid and everything to help with it so many people's lives being destroyed in Africa. But that was on the heels of AIDS spreading radically in you know the late 70s and the 80s. Just on the heels of that, it spread through Africa. And people were wondering, why did it spread in Africa later? You know, why? And the crazy thing is, is uh, the Industrial Revolution happened later in Africa than here. And you had all kinds of men in villages and so forth, living in villages, in families. Uh, and then all these men were being called out of their villages because there was more manufacturing going on and everything. And then their, their villages are a long way away. They didn't have a lot of transportation. So they'd be staying in cities and, and for long periods of time with other men going to the discos and so forth. And there's all this social, you know, socialization going on. It wasn't just homosexuality. It was adultery. It was fornication. And AIDS just spread like wildfire. So it's really interesting to hear that point of view because I've seen that go on with the AIDS epidemic. I, was, I think I brought some of that out in the submerging church in the in the Bono section of that because they're doing this whole thing against AIDS. But I'm like, come on, Bono, your whole, you know, movement of, you know, uh, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll that you're part of has actually propagated this, the spread of this and decimated people. And then you're coming to be the savior. Amen. And I, I think it's so important for people to understand this. And as, as Joe had already mentioned, ultimately it's Jesus we go back to every single time. And you know, I, I saw this clip and I shared it with you and, and Tommy and some of the guys looked at it as well. 
Um, if you guys don't know, just recently, the new UFC middleweight champion is a guy named Sean Strickland, and he is a uh, perverse person. I mean, I, I guess it's the best way I could describe it. He's a very perverse person. The things he said, some of the comments he's made, I mean, pretty grotesque. But it is interesting when you hear him talk about how he grew up while he's trying to give this guidance. And ultimately, it's somebody without the fear of the Lord trying to lead you to wisdom, and they're only going to lead you to folly. But what he says here, I found very interesting. And I know you did too, Joe. And we want to comment on this as well. So, and, and this is the really thing about society. Because you guys, I grew up in the 1990s. Like I had no positive role models in my life. I grew up on 1990s Hollywood. But as a man, as I grow up and I start making more money, I look back at all these influences I had and how detrimental to me. I lied. I cheated on my girlfriend. I've done so much bad bro, that as a man, I have to look myself in the mirror and say, I did this. And why did this happen? Why did this happen? I had happened because I had no real positive male role models in my life. I had nobody telling me not to be a piece of being a piece of was encouraged. So I think the best thing you do, if you're a man, especially a young man is turn the off, turn the off, man. It's only going to make your life harder. Now, when I see that clip, and it's interesting because Sean Strickland and I are very similar ages. And so when I hear him talking about growing up in the 90s, not having these role models and remembering, you know, a lot of the the people that were up in the foray are the big guys up on the TV and everything. It is very sad to, to think of it this way and how society has leaned this way. But now, I mean, it is worse. I mean, it really is. And now you have them at the tip of your fingers. You can you can tweet them. Maybe they'll tweet you back or like a tweet or you could talk about them on TikTok and maybe your your thing will go viral. And these are the people that are pushing this stuff. Sadly enough, he doesn't know the ultimate role model, the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, because if he did and then turned his life towards him, he could have eternal life. Forget championship. He's already talking about how he's broken off pieces out of duct tape. Belt means nothing to me, da, 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 da. Because ultimately, he's not going to find fulfillment in this either. And you got to find it in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and Joe, what's great about that little vice sit down and, and is is the statement that is made uh, by one of the guys on there that you guys haven't seen yet, at least not seen him speak, to see where he left toxic masculinity behind and actually came into a biblical understanding True of manhood. Yeah. You know, I was what you would call a toxic masculine male growing up. And uh, I had good men that sewed into me, you know, they gave me good advice, but I never found manhood and or never understood my place as a man until one day I humbled myself and I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you right now, walking with God changed my life forever. Like, I would say toxic masculinity is like what he was just saying, where you're using that, that, that leadership role or that aggressive nature in a harmful way to harm other people, to get your way. So the biblical structure for manhood is very humble. It's self-sacrifice, it's not self-motivated, but it is motivated by principle and standing on what's right. So there is a clear-cut vision for manhood in the Bible that I live by and I think our culture used to live by and I think our culture has lost its way. Wow, Joe, that is really, really powerful there. I thought that was really, really awesome for people to hear because not only is he pushing it to the Lord Jesus Christ, but he's reminding them that once you have the Lord Jesus Christ, now all these roles, everything comes into place, whether it's Sean Strickland or anyone else on here, once you have the Lord Jesus Christ, this stuff all gets cleared up. Amen. And being in a pastoral ministry for 30-some years now, a long time, I have seen so many men come in who have either been, you know, just feminized by the world to a degree, 
and they don't stand up and, and be leaders in their homes. And I've seen the other extreme uh, where men are despots, you know, and they're not loving. They don't lay their lives down for their wives. And I've come and seen the Lord transform both types of men, both men that have been uh, conformed to the world. And it's just neat. I mean, we see the men in our fellowship. There's just these a lot of godly men who who love our servant leaders, you know, examples to their children. And it's it's amazing because there's a suit there when you see something that's orderly, you know, uh, that you know, like a rainbow or something that God's created where there's just beauty. When you see a family where you have a, a, a husband that loves his wife and he's laying his life down for, her, and she respects her husband and she follows his leadership, but together they lead the family. Uh, it's so beautiful. And you see the beautiful fruit of that. But when you see what's going on with the world and how uh, you have these two extremes with regarding men and how they're being redefined, uh, then what you have is all this ugliness that we're seeing out in the world and it's being promoted. And, and you need to stay, stand fast, you know, and we need to. We all need to stand fast in our, in our own walks with Jesus. And the, the, uh, Paul said in 1 Timothy 4, watch your life and your doctrine and so, so doing you'll save yourself and those who hear you. So it's important that we just remain steadfast, Chad, right? That we, we, we remain strong in the Lord, that we walk. If you're a man, be a man of God, man. Uh, a man of God isn't somebody who loses his temper and screams and, sh- and, and tries to scare everybody. Uh, the Bible says, be angry and sin not, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Uh, a man of God is one who has self-control, man, and can bridle his tongue and not freak out and submits ultimately to, the, to God himself, amen? And let's be the men that God has called us to be, servant leaders in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you guys. God bless. You've been listening to The Good Fight Radio Show with pastor and author Joe Schimmel and host Chad Davidson discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how they relate to family, culture, and the church. To learn more about Good Fight Ministries, visit us online at goodfight.org. Join our growing social media family and consider partnering with us at patreon.com slash goodfight.